In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Jordan Steen about how to generate more consistent sales. This is a Business of E-Commerce, episode 84. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash BOE. That's drip.com slash BOE. Now onto the show. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulesky, and I'm here today with Jordan Steen. Jordan is the founder of Rest and Bar Marketing and the Serial Entrepreneur Academy. I asked Jordan on the show today to chat a bit about how you can generate more consistent sales in your e-commerce business. So, hey, Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Charles? Doing good. Great to have you on. I love the concept of uh, kind of marketing, kind of learning more about that. So um, I guess yeah, real quick. I really, oh, go I on. really appreciate you. Uh, I was just going to say I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's always great to get out and work with not only other marketers, but just people in entrepreneurship, e-commerce, things like that. So excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. So you focus a lot on the marketing side of entrepreneurship, correct? Yeah, specifically digital marketing. I mean, we obviously look at all aspects of marketing. Specifically, yeah, what I'm known for would be digital marketing. So anything online. Okay, so kind of you work with um, entrepreneurs, retailers, and kind of help them grow the marketing side of their business, right? So less on the operations, more on the marketing. Uh, yeah, we well, and that's the thing, really. What's kind of funny is, you know, I started with a digital marketing background, which that's what I use as my platform to start teaching other people how to learn digital marketing and uh, really how to start an agency out of that. But it kind of just grew from there into we started looking into operations because with my agency and with my business, you know, we have about 20 to 25 different people that we give work out to or contract work out to. Um, and so obviously that means that internal operations and processes actually became a huge thing for us. Uh, so we've actually probably spent in the last six months around $40,000 uh, investing in a process management software um, for internal content creation, ad creation, you know, everything that we do from a marketing agency perspective or a business operations perspective. So I like to say, yes, you know, digital marketing is our thing, but, you know, we're getting really good at operations too. So we're kind of multifaceted and that's what I love about this business and being an entrepreneur is, you know, the ability to shift and learn new things. Well, that's one of the things with marketing where there's a lot more, um, pro there's more process, right? Where no, it's, um, I'm trying to think of a great example. It's kind of like brushing your teeth, right? Like if you go and write one blog post, it's kind of like brushing your teeth one day. It's not really going to do anything. You have to actually brush your teeth every day or at least in some consistent basis. So you need to block whatever marketing you do needs to be consistent. And to kind of do that, you need at least a, you need something to fall, right? You can't just, Hey, you know, I'll do it when I'm ready, whatever, like right. you'll end up not doing it. 
And what's what's funny is here's the thing that I've learned over the last couple of years, because I was always more in the social media email web side of marketing when I first got into it several years ago, because I've been doing this now for about nine years. And as time developed, things started to change. And what I started to get into more was not only, you know, email, social, but we started to get into content creation and content marketing because I realized the value in creating something that was going to continue to provide leads and sales and engagement for my brand long after I wrote it. The issue that I found was I took the approach like most business owners do because I wasn't as trained in content marketing where I started writing blog articles that were, you know, valuable. They had a premise, but they didn't look at how search engines use blog content or deliver blog blog content rather. So one thing that I really want to suggest is anybody who thinks, oh, well, blog content doesn't work. I challenge you to go out and look at a, a uh, principle called topic clusters. And it is a version or not a version, but it's more of a a theory that has been developed around content and SEO, where instead of just creating one blog article, you look at a series that you're going to create around your primary topic. So for example, with me, we talk about starting a social media or digital marketing agency. So what is typically the first question that someone who would be my customer is going to ask? Well, they're going to start with something like how to start a social media marketing agency, right? So that would be our primary topic. Then we break it down from there. What are subtopics of that? Learning, you know, digital marketing. So social media, SEO, email, not only that, but landing clients, pricing services, outsourcing work, business setup. All of those are big subtopics. Then we break those down further. Facebook marketing, on-page SEO versus off-page, pay-per-click ads, email automation versus broadcasting, right? So now we're building all of these links together into actually it's one URL. So we're using the how to start an SMMA and then we just do a slash, you carry on that URL from there and continue down the line to the rest of your content. And again, what the value is, is we're sending all of our traffic essentially now through one link instead of sending it through 55 different links, adding no value to my overall content marketing strategy. Really, we're getting traffic, but it's so it's so broken down because everything is disconnected that you don't get the traffic that you could be getting really is the best way to put that because if you connect everything together strategically you'll have 10 times maybe 100 times the result that you get if you were to leave it all apart and it's because people are when they see a specific topic they want to continue reading on about that topic if they're super interested in it and really they would stay on your site but they don't have the correct content connected together to follow that flow and that's really what topic clusters are all about is making your content and building it into a flow that's going to sell products and services. And you can do this with any type of e-commerce business too, whether you're selling couches or whatever, there's a way to build valuable content if you don't just look at it as, okay, well, I'm just gonna post this one post about this one topic. You need to look at things from a quarter to quarter perspective um, when you go to planning your actual content. Don't just start writing blogs. If you wanna start a blog, that's great look at next quarter, start planning for next quarter, getting your content created to where you're at least a month and a half ahead of content that you're posting, right? You're working a month and a half ahead because that's where your strategy really starts to kick in. Yeah. So a couple things to dig into there. And one thing that you said, just to make sure people heard it, cause it's very important. You should be answering the question that your users are asking, right? So 
you're not just chatting generally about you're not like just writing about like topic like topics in your space it's more what is a question that someone someone who would buy from you is asking today um, and just starting that is like the basis that right there's big because i think a lot of people fall down at that very first step of i'll just blog about um whatever some industry thing and you can just you can create blogs but they have no rhyme or reason right Right. And uh, yeah, I like to, so I work a lot with real estate agents and they all come to me because they see my YouTube channel and they're like, well, I want to do that because every real estate agent is really just a personal brand. So if they do it the right way, they can build a strong following on social media and use that to, or leverage that to really generate more sales for their agency. The trouble is most agents come to me and they try to when they think YouTube, they're like, all right, well, I just want to put all my listings on my YouTube channel. I'm like, well, number one, have you ever in your life heard of anyone going to YouTube to look at a listing? No, because they're gone too quickly. YouTube is a long form content platform. So there, it's where stuff needs to to last. It just needs to last a, a long amount of time where a listing is there and then it's gone, you know, the next day. So, and not to mention, no one's going to YouTube and searching home listings in Atlanta, Georgia, right? That's not where you go. You go to Google and then you uh, usually end up on like Zillow or Trulia, something like that, right? So you, you have to start to wrap your head around what content would people look for instead of what do I want to sell? Because a lot of people look at what am I trying to sell? So that's what they focus their content on. Go customer centric with it. Say, what are they looking for? If I was looking for a home, what would I go to YouTube for? So a good answer to that would be something like, um, Sorry, my window opened up. A good answer to that would be something like uh, doing a home remodeling channel, right? Where you show people how to do DIY projects at home. Um, something in your yard even. Uh, you're, you know, you do landscaping projects out in your yard and you build cool stuff for your home. You know, that kind of stuff is what's going to attract new homeowners to watch your channel. Homeowners are your market, right? Because you're buying and selling homes. So that's what I try to tell people is when you think about the product or when you, the content, Think about the customer, not the product and the sale. Because if you think about the customer, you're going to answer their questions and focus on their needs, which makes them love you, trust you, and then buy from you. So Yeah. Well, there are some products, right, where they're solving a pain, like a very unique pain. And in that case, you can talk about that pain. But then there's other things, like you said, where you're not. Like real estate, you're more solving for a moment in someone's life, like a like a thing that happens. So you're basically just trying to get in front of people during that moment, but it's not like a, a pain you have, like, you know, so you just want to be in their mind space at that point. So kind of, there's probably two roads there, right? If you're selling, I'm trying to take a good example with e-commerce, um, but like a product that solves an actual issue, like, like acne cream. Yeah, exactly. So on that, what's a good example of if, if someone wants to sell that, that's almost an easier, um, thing to generate topics about, right? Oh, you, so much easier. Yeah. Like real estate is so difficult to create content for, and that's what they don't get. But yeah, with general e-commerce products and things like that, where you're saw, especially when you're solving a pain like that, right? Someone with acne, they're going through some stuff, usually mentally, psychologically, right? They don't feel good about themselves. They lose confidence. So if you have that and you know that that's a side effect of having acne, that's essentially what you're trying to solve for someone else. You're trying to give them information about getting rid of their acne, making them feel better, making them feel more confident. So your content should be focused around that. So even if it has nothing to do with your product, if you're just talking about 10 ways to get rid of acne naturally, 
that's totally fine because they're going to come to your article. They'll read it and then they'll realize, oh, this is a company that's all about getting rid of acne. Then they dig deeper, right? So they want to figure out more about you. Why? Because you just help them, especially if you help them. That's what people are always. It's so funny. They're like, Jordan, why do you put so much of your, you know, free content on YouTube? Like nobody's going to buy it. Or I have students who will come to me and I'm like, yeah, go in there when you try to land a, a client for your marketing agency and actually give them the answers to solve all of the problems. So we teach to go in and do a digital audit. The audit does an analysis of the good and the bad of their current online marketing status, right? Well, my students will do that. They'll create all these reports and then deliver the report, go through it with them, show them everything that's wrong, but then they stop there. Though that is valuable, most business owners already know what's wrong, right? They, they typically know where they're lacking. Their website sucks. They're not present on social media or spending on ads. They're not doing email marketing. They know that, right? But if you don't tell them how to resolve these issues and give them guides on how to actually resolve it, you're not really providing value. So it's understanding what is true value to a potential customer, not just saying, hey, here's all of your problems. We know our problems. Give me a solution to the problem that is actionable. Have actual utility, as Jay Bear would say, um, and provide a solution to my issue. And people are so like, so the, the cool part about YouTube is, or even blog content is you're able to break up your content to where it's delivering value, but there really is no structure to it, right? So you're having to find a way to coach people into buying the structure. That's essentially what you're doing with a product. You're saying, all right, cool. Here's what a, you know, a bunch of free stuff for you to take in. It's going to help you get rid of your acne. But if you really want to get that done, and you know those aren't working for you, maybe they're working for you, but it's not you know getting 100% to where you want it to go that's when you should reach out to us and maybe we can help you with something there. And that's where you're solving that issue. You're giving them that structure and the guide to say, hey, if you do this, we will help you get rid of your problem. And so that's really what good content marketing is all about. Yeah, I like that where, because you could almost offer the solution. I've seen people do this where they almost offer the solution for free and say, hey, do it yourself. Here's how you do it. Here's the 12 steps that you know it would take to basically build this product on your own. But if you don't want to follow these 12 steps, if you're just not in the mood to do that, you can go buy it over here. It's, you know, $19.99. We'll sell you one. It's all done for you. And that's, and that's what I tell my students all the time. I'm like, guys, just give them the answers, the the business owners. Give them the give them all the answers. Why? Because number one, they're gonna look at all of the things that are wrong and be like, I don't have time to do that. That's why they're calling you in the first place. They don't have time to handle their marketing, right? So give them all of the things. They're gonna realize I don't have time to do that. Number two, they're gonna be like, I don't even know how to do that. Like I could try, but it probably wouldn't be what I'm looking for. So I'd rather pay you to do it for me. You know, the same thing with that acne cream or with any type of e-commerce product. Yeah, I've definitely noticed. So we work with a number of um, partners here, like very large, well-established um, marketing divisions they have. And one thing I've noticed a lot of them do is they have um, themes to their content based on a time frame, right? So it might be per month, per quarter, whatever it is, but they have an, a topic um, that they use. And even if we're submitting like guest blogs, for example, or whatever it is, whatever content we're contributing to them has to fall into that theme for that market, whatever it is, for that um, month, that quarter. And that's how they do it. And then, because the thing is everything that ties together, right? Because if you're researching that acne cream, most likely you're in that mode, right? Where you, you know, searching, you land on this, you land on this one page and like, oh, great article, but you're still thinking of that, right? So you're either going to, find a way to go forward. And if you can't go forward, you're going to go back. So forward is provide them a link on the side of, Hey, here's three more interesting articles for someone in that mind space. 
or they're just going to hit the back button and find the three somewhere else. But like either way, they're going to find right. a three. So why not just put right. it in front of them? Yep. Yep. You should. And that's that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, somebody else is going to. So if you can afford to and it's not going to hurt your bottom line, then why don't you? Right. If you if it if it if you stand to make a good amount of money from it or profit rather from it, then why wouldn't you? You know, I don't know. I just feel like people are so scared to give away the secret sauce, but you don't realize you're the best at creating that secret sauce. They can try to replicate it, but it's never going to be the same. Right. You can never go and get uh, what is it? You ever heard of sticky fingers? It's a barbecue chain. Oh, yeah. Sticky Fingers Barbecue. I love their barbecue sauce. I could try to create it over myself, but I never I'll, I'll never get it right. Same with like Chick-fil-A sauce. People try to <laughs> replicate that all the time, but you cannot replicate it. They are the best at what they do. So people buy it. Right. So same same principle here. You're the best at what you do. So don't be afraid to let people in on what you do. And people love that about a business because it makes you seem more human. People hate the disconnect now between, you know, corporate world and people. We just we don't get along at all now. It's just two completely different entities where if you can make your business more approachable, more human, people like that. They trust it more, meaning they're much more likely to buy. You know, sales is all about trust. Without trust, there is no sale. So I don't know. Give your sauce away, guys. <laughs> Quit telling people that it's something some big secret. I mean, let it be a secret, but let it be a secret publicly. <laughs> yeah. How about that? So when, when we talk about generating more consistent sales, though, how can you kind of use this um, concept to do that? Like, how can you leverage this to actually start saying, okay, you know, right now you have, and this probably happens to everyone, you look, you want your sales to look at this, like, uh, up and to the right, perfect slope, but it ends up being this kind of lumpy thing, right? How right. can you kind of use this to be more thoughtful and more consistent with that? So... Uh, the biggest thing that I think that most people are lacking, and this is actually going away from content because content is great for getting that cold traffic in. It can help convert traffic into sales and even leads, but really where people drop the ball is on remarketing. Okay. So if you want more consistency, especially with e-com, you have really, you know, two to three big things that you should be doing. The first being Every product should have an evergreen campaign, or at least every one of your big flagship products needs an evergreen remarketing campaign so that anyone who visits that sales page is being remarketed. Why? Because the sales page tells you that they are interested. They wouldn't have visited the sales. I mean, yes, accidents happen. Sure. But that's not as common as, you know, the majority of your traffic. Most of them came there with an intent to do some research, potentially buy, maybe just, you know, doing some comparison, whatever it may be. They're there interested in that product. So why are you not remarketing to them? Uh, the other thing about remarketing is if you haven't heard of this before, Dr. Jeffrey Lant uh, created something called the rule of seven. And the rule of seven states that you need to uh, be in front of a potential viewer or customer a minimum of seven times in 18 months for them to be able to recall your brand. If you know anything about marketing and sales, then you know that brand recall is the strongest thing that you can have going for you because if you can't, if they can't recall you when it comes time to buy, and you stand no chance to begin with. They're thinking of all of the other competitors. So that's where remarketing really kind of helps build that relationship to where you are that brand that someone recalls when they do need that product, right? When you think of, um, I don't know, when you think of shoes, who do you think? You think Nike, you think Reebok, you think Adidas, right? And it's because they've, put, they've done this for so long 
over, you know, so many different ads in so many different places that you can't help but think of them. That's why they're household names now. You're trying to do the same thing, whether you're a small e-commerce business or a large one. Uh, so remarketing and creating evergreen campaigns uh, for all of your flagship products. But then also what's really great about people who sell products, right, for e-commerce, you have the ability now to be dynamic. And you don't even have to do anything like the cool part is if you have the pixel on your on your website, for example, and someone visits a specific product, you can have an ad running that will showcase only the products that they visited. It's completely dynamic now to where you can only you're showing them the things that they care about instead of focusing on just blasting products out to them, which used to be the case with Facebook, unless you were really driving a lot of traffic and able to segment your traffic enough and segment your ads enough. You know, people were just doing massive blast ads about their products in general. Now you're able to do intent focused ads. You're able to remarket on a regular basis. And then not only that, you're able to convert people at a very low cost because of how cheap online marketing is. So I think the biggest thing that retailers need to understand is how important remarketing using media or outlets like social. So Facebook, Instagram, primarily email. Uh, messenger bots on Facebook, which is separate from ads, but messenger bots are really, really great now. Just all of the ways that you should be remarketing, most people aren't taking the time to build those campaigns out. And it's killing their consistency because they're just getting those people who are more impulse buyers than they are, you know, going through the actual sales cycle of consider, you know, building aware or, you know, coming into the brand through awareness, then considering the brand, then moving on to a point where they're ready to convert. So, there's a lot to it, but I think if more retailers could do that, they would see a lot more consistency. Yeah, well, I think the thing with you said about impulse buyers, right? There's certain folks that um, they just their buying cycle is measured in like minutes. Like that's just how they buy. Like if they want to buy a shirt, they find a shirt, they like it, they buy. Like that's it's like this very quick thing. And there are a certain percentage of people in the world that that's just how they buy. Then there's another. Then there's kind of groups that let's say it's been like a day and five days. Then there's other folks that it could be like weeks of consideration. And it also met, uh, varies based on product, right? Like some people buying a, like a t-shirt versus a laptop or a car, that sort of thing. You research the car a lot more than you do the t-shirt. But, but there are in every one of these categories, even the car buyers, some people research the car for a year, some people a day or two. Two Is hours. Actually, yeah, two hours. They just go to three <laughs> dealers. They like that one. It's red. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so like everyone does have these different categories of buyers, like where their time horizon is different. And the remarketing allows you to hit each one of those. So right now, like you said, if you're not remarketing, you're only hitting that first category, whatever that is in your market, whether it's the first hour or first day or whatever that is. But remarketing allows you to open up that window to those other buyers, right? That kind of might take days, might take weeks, months, whatever that is. And depending on your business, you can play with those numbers. But um, without doing that, you can only you can only shoot for that first category or just hope they magically remove your brand and come back to you, right? Right. And there's two things that I want to point out there. Number one is if you're not remarketing them, then your competitor is, and they visited their site too, trust me. So they fired their Facebook pixel off too. So they're going to, somebody's going to remarket to them. So if it's not you, then it's going to be your competitor, which you're just helping them make more money. That's the first thing. The second thing is... I forgot what the second thing was. <laughs> it was about Facebook remarketing. Yep. Yeah. But no. It's well, all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, when you said also the other question is, um, let's say you should create a campaign, right? 
I'm just easy example. I have an outdoors e-commerce site. Um, I sell tents and fishing rods and all different things. But someone lands on the tent page. What what should I actually be remarketing to them at that point? Just more ads about come buy this tent, or do you kind of go all the way of some like you know tent educational content or like what direction? Because they're already warm, right? You already know they're looking for tents. So what do you do at that point? So it kind of depends on what your marketing strategy is. If you don't have a, a strong content strategy in place, it's going to be hard for you to deliver a ton of like valuable camping related content. I'm going to guess if they're looking for a tent, they're going camping though, but that's what I would probably do. So since you have an outdoors type site, I would focus on maybe sporting and just camping like outdoor living type situations. So I would focus on sporting because you said fishing stuff, right? Yeah, so I'm going to target those sport fishermen, sport outdoors people, people who like to go hiking. I'm guessing you probably have some hiking equipment and stuff like that. Well, it's a hypothetical site, so it has whatever we want, but yes. Okay, cool. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, okay, it's a hypothetical. Okay. So that's whatever we decide right now. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, I could have some hiking equipment. So maybe I do build some content around just outdoor camping, hiking, things like that, outdoor sports, stuff like that. And that's what I, I, I don't build a ton of content, but I have that for my remarketing campaigns. And that's the thing, I think if somebody visits the tent page, I either have two approaches here. I'm either gonna be the guy who delivers the content first, depending on where, and that's the other thing. So it's complicated to say, depends on where they're at in the sales cycle. If they are, if this is a first time viewer and I know that this is a first time viewer, I'm just gonna start remarketing them with more value. So that's where I'm gonna deliver the content about outdoor camping, hiking, fishing, sporting, all that stuff. So even if they've landed though on a, so you're saying if they've landed on a product page, so they Googled around just like fishing rods or whatever, tents, whatever it is, they landed on that product page and they're like, cool, I see, a, I see the fishing rod and they bounced. Would you then be sending them educational content at that point? Yeah, immediately. Okay. As soon as they visit that page, we're going to retarget those people within the next probably three to seven days, depending on the product or service, right? And what we're doing is we're just delivering some form of value. But at that same time, we are going to deliver not so the people who visited the sales page, we're, we're sending them that value content. People who look at that value content, we're going to deliver a different type of message, maybe something more direct going directly to a sales page, because we know if they viewed that they're much more interested than someone who just visited the sales page, right? People though, who visited the sales page and didn't view this article, we're still going to remarket and move them down into the consideration phase because obviously they're interested. They still visited the sales page. So now at that point, which this is where we're getting into that evergreen campaign that I was talking about, you're doing the same thing no matter what product or service you are. You're, show, you're building trust and authority. So how do you do that? Well, the trust comes through with testimonials and customer reviews, right? So you should have some form of, rev of review if it's, you know, video works the best, camera, like seriously, just a phone video is fine. Someone saying, hey, this was really, really great. Putting that into a reel or, or a carousel ad rather, uh, where you have several testimonials just going about your products and services specifically and why they trust your brand versus maybe some of the bigger brands or whatever. That's building trust. How do we build authority? Well, authority is gonna come in. Maybe your fishing rods ha are, have received an award from some fishing rod review company or whatever, some sport fishing company, or maybe some big sport fisherman uses your rods, right? Something like that. That's what adds authority to your brand. So trying to build trust, build authority, and then make them like you. The liking you part comes from adding value. So at 
that point, they might have, you know, taken in that article about camping and fishing and all that. If not, another form of value could be some form of discount. You know, buy this product now, we'll give you free shipping. So we're remarketing people who have viewed these testimonial videos and potentially an authority ad or authority video. We're going to remarket those audiences further with that, you know, free shipping offer or something like that, right? Those people who are, and that's what I hate about it, like, online marketing, people think that the only way they can sell their products is to instantly go out there and deliver a discount where you're actually losing sales by or losing out on revenue by doing that because those people who didn't need a discount to buy just got a discount anyways, unless you're a discount, a discount retailer where everything you have is discounted in some form, like, you know, a Dillard's or something like that, then you shouldn't be instantly discounting and sending that out to people. You should take the time to build those people unless you know that you have a short sales cycle. Like you said, if let's say it's batteries, you know that we're just selling batteries, that takes no time. You either need them or you don't, right? So if someone goes online and buy batteries, they're probably gonna buy them then, unless they just like think the price is outrageous. So those types of people, you know, we're not really doing the same type of strategy there. I'm not sending testimonial ads about my batteries. We're at that point looking more into just building brand awareness. So that way when someone does think of batteries, they think of our batteries, right? So it's all about understanding your product, how people buy the product, how long it's going to take. Like, that's what I was going to get into. The, uh, the sales cycle, that is something that so many re retailers and uh, e-commerce stores don't get into is understanding how long does it really take for someone to buy my product on average. We know that with our school sales, it takes about two weeks, right? So we build our content to be two weeks in more and more value and then go a little bit past that to make sure that we're keeping those people in the loop and trying to get the people who may take longer than two weeks. I think when people get hung up on there very often, um, it's kind of this whole like avatar development where you're supposed to sit down and say, hey, I have a customer, his name is Fred. Like just, you make up a random name. Um, you know, fishing and you, you give them a random title, even like fish, fishing Fred, right. And you have fishing Fred, and you have his profile and that you, you can do it. Right. And you can have his, you know, Fred wants to go fishing next week and he needs to buy a fishing rod. So you have that and you know, the buying cycle, but I think a lot of people get hung up when they start thinking, well, maybe we can sell fishing rods to like a, you know, like a, the boy scouts. Yeah. The boy scouts. And well, they're going to buy, you know, 75 of them and they have a longer, and they start trying to do a little something for everyone. So then they have all these, they don't want to just have that one avatar because they feel like they're leaving money on the table. Um, what do you kind of say to that and how to handle, you know, do you have separate campaigns or how do you deal with people that don't want to commit to one avatar? Well, that just comes down to prioritizing because that's the thing. It, you have to look at where your sales are coming from. Yeah, there are other markets out there where you're leaving money on the table, but you only have so much ad budget, right? You can't just, you don't have unlimited amounts of money to spend online, you know, just spending on ads. So that being said, you have to make sure that you're prioritizing your ad budget. And a lot of people, like you said, will spread it out and try to market to everyone. What you're doing is thinning out your budget. You're not focusing on your primary customers, which are the bulk of your sales, which means you're actually losing money because you're not focusing on those customers. So my advice there is to scale slowly, work on one potential or not one, work on you know two to three customer profiles, build those up until you realize that spending more money on those types of customers is not yielding more revenue. All right, once you reach that point, then you can diversify your budget. But until you reach the point where you've capped out your biggest markets, there's no point in trying to take on those smaller markets because they're less likely to buy anyways. They're probably also more expensive when it comes to ad spend. So just my biggest piece of advice there would just be to 
focus, hyper-focus on your two to three biggest customer profiles. Yeah, and that has a lot of big impact even after the sale, right? Because that profile, once you have that, they tend to also, let's say, um, you know, questions that come in after, like customer service type questions. They tend to have that same buyer has the same sort of questions. So then you start following this pattern of, hey, even like the support, the customer service becomes much easier because then you can actually write like support articles. Because if you're selling to, you know, large like um, B2B type sales and then you do all these consumer ones and you do these like, um, you know, deals, like it's like lightning deals, like all these different things, you're going to have different types of folks and they have different questions, different kind of needs. Um, the whole market, like everything's different about them. So doubling down on one or maybe even two or three, but at least that allows you to hyper-focus like everything on them right through from, from um, top of the funnel all the way down to after the purchase. So I like right. That. And that gets to automation. The more you can automate things or just make things routine, systematic, the more money you're going to save in the end because it takes you less time to complete that work. Right. So it's all about, again, it's all about prioritizing, understanding where putting your time and money is going to be worth it for you. What's some examples of marketing tasks, a process you would automate kind of to begin with? Email, messenger bots, and using those email and messenger bots to deliver your content or your, your, the same ads that you're essentially using to remarket on Facebook, that evergreen campaign or that value series that you're delivering, you do the same thing with email and messenger. It just, it is a, it's a method of remarketing to someone that's hands off. Once you create it, it's done. You just let it run and it continuously runs and drives leads and sales. Uh, that's what I love about our email marketing. You know, we generate tens of thousands of dollars a month in email marketing, remarketing sales. And people think that email is dead. It's not if you know how to actually send email marketing or not send, but create email marketing automations that are going to be beneficial. It focuses on intent. Uh, but outside of that, just, I think automating, you know, redundancies is the biggest thing. Like for example, scheduling posts, it, you don't realize how much time that actually takes up out of your day or just writing, <laughs> writing the post. You know, if you can find a VA on Upwork or something like that, who can write decent content and create decent ideas for you, you know, and you're actually spending on ad spend because if you're not spending on ads, then there's no point in just posting content unless you have a media brand or something that has a large following that'll kick in that organic engagement algorithm, right? Otherwise organic is dead. So if you're spending on ads, then yeah, go find that VA that's $10 an hour and have them start creating posts for you each week get a cheap graphic designer and automate that stuff for yourself or find an agency. That's why agencies exist, right? Find an agency that can do it for you because it will automate that process. So you don't have to, you can focus on things like product development, customer service, um, you know, coming up with better ways to deliver your product, whatever it may be for an e-commerce business, you're always trying to improve those processes. So it allows you to focus on those. Anything that you can potentially automate that is redundant, you're doing it every single day, needs to be automated. Yeah. One thing I've done actually with the um, writing of the post, because so I've tried in the past kind of having someone, hey, go write this post for me. Here's a, here's a topic and just do something. Um, and it's okay sometimes. Um, what if what I've done that's super um, that's been super useful is actually basically record the post of me talking to the VA basically and just explaining what I want and basically just dictating not dictating the post and ask them to transcribe it, but more just talking about a subject and then saying, 
okay, now write an editorial version of everything I just said. And it's a lot easier to just talk into a camera for five, 10 minutes, just about a topic. And then a lot of folk, and then it's a lot easier for them to actually say, okay, instead of having to research and go and, you know, cause a lot of these topics are very, um, you know, there's a lot of like inside baseball stuff that you wouldn't know unless you're in the industry, but just being able to just talk about it as the founder or as the marketer, and then have someone just editorialize it. That's a much easier ask than saying you go research it, you go find, like you go do the work and come up. And that's cracks me up about it. People think that VAs are just superhuman. Like if I'm not, if you're not a perfect, if you can't even hardly tell me about it, how do you expect someone else to be able yeah. to tell me about it? Right. So and, you know, I know exactly the struggle that you went through because I am a content creator and it it relies on my expertise to be able to create the content. Right. But I don't have time necessarily to sit there and write all of the content that we create because I have other things that we're trying to do to and other businesses that we're trying to build that, you know, it just takes a lot of time and people don't realize that. So, you know, we've we've gone through this process of back and forth with the process of or the workflow rather for creating content. And now it's so fine tuned, but we I literally have four to five people involved just in the planning process. So that way we get it right. And it starts off with coming up with a topic. Once we have the topic approved, we get a premise for that or really it's a topic and a premise, right? So the topic is what it will be about. The premise says exactly how we want this to be this article or topic to be shaped, right? From there, what's that gets a, of a, what do you mean by premise? Like what's a so example, for example of that? If I wanted to do how to start a social media marketing agency. That is the topic, but it's also actually in, you know, unintentionally the premise as well. The video is obviously going to be about how to start a marketing agency. And so I would be even more specific, like we're going to talk about specifically my acronym SWEPS, which covers all of digital marketing. We would talk about setting up the business. We would talk about pricing services, outsourcing and landing clients. And that's what I would put in the premise then that or I would have my planner put in the premise, right? He would send it to me. I would either approve or deny it. So now I'm having them doing the planning side, right? All I'm doing is saying, yes, this is what this should be about or no, it needs to include this. Boom, it goes back to him. Now it's being approved. The next step is my marketing manager or my marketing strategist rather, he manages my content creation team, my ad team. He puts together a table of contents so that way we know what exactly should be included in the article. Once that's done, we either approve or deny, you know, make revisions just to the table of contents. Then we get to an outline. The outline's written. Once that's written, again, approve or deny, make adjustments. Then we go to the actual blog article. Blog article's written, proven, you know, approve or deny, make adjustments. Once that's done, then we start shooting the actual YouTube video. So we create the script out of the blog articles. That way it follows the exact same flow. But it took us a long time to get to that point where we understood, okay, VAs are good at their job, but they do need a lot of handholding and instruction if you don't have things laid out properly. So, you know, if you give them the information they need and you're a part of it, you can't completely step away if you're the expert, right? You have to be in there. Otherwise, it's not going to have the value that you provide. So you have to sort of still be in there, but it's less of me being completely hands on and more of me just saying, OK, this information looks right. It's not including this. Make sure it includes this. Boom. Then you have the content you're looking for, whereas most people, again, they do like you said, where they go out and they say, hey, create a topic or create an article on this. Go do the research, put together the article and I want to see it done in three days. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people okay. do one of the they either do it them all themselves like and they're like, yep. I have to just do it from start to finish. They do from the topic creation to the actual writing of it to the video to the post like they just do the whole thing themselves and then they hire a va and they go the exactly opposite and they're like all right now you do everything and like 
okay, you can't just go from a hundred to like, it doesn't work like that. You go from a hundred to 95 and then, you know, you can break off pieces, but you have to understand it's, you know, you start doing it. It's easier if you start doing it yourself, because at least you understand the process and then slowly, okay, we can systematize, proselytize this part and then this, and then this, and then it becomes, okay, you're only doing now as the founder or whoever, you know, whatever your role is, you're doing the core piece that kind of you add value on. Um, and maybe, you know, like posting to social media, it just isn't how you're going to add value. So that's something you can spin off to someone else, but you kind of do those pieces one by one until you're left with where you can add, like you said, your unique value. So I think the biggest thing is that people don't realize again, how, how much effort it takes to create highly consistent, but also highly valuable content. I think that if they realize that they are the value, cause you are, if you're the expert, you are the value. You have to be able to put your input in. And I, you know, I'm guilty of doing that. I, I can't even lie and say that I didn't because when I first started to shift, I was just so busy with trying to get, you know, so many different things done. I was like, all right, I just need you to create this blog content with the expectation that they were going to be able to do it like I wanted to. And I would give them a brief, you know, three, three to four sentences in a task and be like, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. And then it would get done and I'd be like, man, that was not what I was looking for. So, you know, it, it, I understand why people think that that would be the way it should go. But at the same time, when you really think about it, it makes more sense that it shouldn't work out in your favor because you are the expert. You are the one who knows the intricate details that no one else knows. And that's why they want to hear from you. Yep. I like it. All right. I think it's super helpful. Um, if people kind of want to find more about you, kind of see what you're up to. Um, I know you have a big YouTube channel. What can they, uh, what can they do so? So uh, there's several ways. The biggest ways uh, that people usually find us, like you said, our YouTube channel, just go online uh, to YouTube and type in serial entrepreneur and not serial, the traditional way, serial like the food. And yes, I know that is not correct for all of you uh, <laughs> people out there who are going to try and correct me. I know that we just like to have fun. I'm a goofy kind of guy. Uh, but go to YouTube, type in Serial Entrepreneur, or you can just go to Google and type in Serial Entrepreneur, find any of our blog content from our website, uh, which is serialentrepreneur.academy. Uh, but we have all kinds of stuff about marketing, creating a brand, whatever it is that you're trying to do to build your business online. That's what we're all about. So definitely check us out. And we do free content every single week, two brand new articles and videos every single week that are all about building a business and marketing. Awesome. Everyone should check it out. We have a ton of great content on there. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> thanks very much for coming on the show. It was great chatting. Yeah, no, not a problem at all. I'm glad to be here. Hopefully uh, we can do this again in the future.